You're out the door, Andy. I'm after spending about five grand on a thousand Paddy and Andy football pod t-shirts. So, oh, Jesus Christ. It's like yeah. Garth Brooks all over again. The football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. We're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there and welcome to episode 11 of the Koi Gig Pod. Your one-stop shop for all the latest on the WSL, Irish football and everything in between. I'm Kathleen McNamee and as always, with me is our one and only PMAP superstar and former Ireland international, Karen Duggan. Karen, surprised to actually see you here this week. I was kind of concerned after last week and your pre-season run fitness <laughs> test that you weren't going to be coming back to us. <laughs> uh, I live to tell the tale, um, but it's safe to say that there's room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can only see your top half from here, so I'm going to assume that your legs are still attached to your body. Just you about, just about, but... <laughs> We'll start real preseason next week. So this could be the actual last time you see me. <laughs> and I did see as well that you were visiting some Irish friends as well, some some of the Glasgow gals. How was that? Yeah, excellent. Um the last time I'd gone to see them was the cup final, which didn't work out so well against Celtic. Um, but they had a really good win. Um, the girls featured really well in the game. So Claire, we're talking about Claire Walsh and Neve Farley. Um, so it's great to see them doing so well. Um, they look so comfortable uh, in their move to the kind of professional stakes and stuff. And hopefully we'll get to see some more Irish players like that because um, they're definitely, definitely good enough and, and definitely holding their own at that level. I saw a former podcast guest, Amber Barrett, throwing a little bit of shade towards you guys on uh, the fitness levels, but we'll, we'll leave that one on Twitter. You can see that on Karen's Twitter if you're interested. <laughs> the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports is in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland Women's National Team. This week, we'll be joined on the pod by Shell Burns Pearl Slattery to talk all about her coaching role with the FAI. And we will also have Emma Carroll back on the podcast later for her team of the week an exciting team of the week for once because an exciting actual discussion for us because we actually had a full slate of matches for the first time it's been a while it's been a while I know, and they all came on the same day as well, which was great fun in terms of trying to actually yeah. watch them all and make it through. <laughs> I don't. I actually lost count of the amount of matches I was watching yesterday between the Premier League, the WSL, and all the various European leagues, but it was quite a full day of football, and not one without controversy as well. And I was looking before, yeah. when I was doing my prep for the Not for highlight shows. Yeah. <laughs> when I was doing my prep for the show, I was like, I don't even know which match to start with because yeah. so many of them were so interesting. So many of them had such big implications on both the title race, the Champions League positions and the relegation race. But I'm going to start with the last game of the day, which was Manchester City and Arsenal, because there was quite a lot in that one to discuss from refereeing decisions to just where both teams are at. So I suppose we should probably start with the refereeing decision, which was kind of the thing that overshadowed the game. If you didn't watch the match, uh, Manchester City's only goal was a 1-1 draw, came on the 65th minute. And 
the cross came across the pitch to Lauren Hemp and it hit the referee on its way and went straight to her feet and Jordan Nobbs was making a run down the middle. Now the rules say that technically that's supposed to be a drop ball and Manchester City scored off Lauren Hemp's resulting run. It was Kadisha Shaw that she got it in the net. But uh, Arsenal fans and the players and Adabel who got booked <laughs> for his broken yeah. were not very happy about it. <laughs> well, you- it was a bit of an ambiguous one because in the rule book it's if the ball changes possession that you have to stop it so it didn't go to its intended target but it stayed with Man City so I think by the letter of the law the referee can justify her decision um Man City had a long way to go that it wasn't the direct um start of the attack they had a lot of work to do in order to score that goal Arsenal didn't defend it very well so they'll obviously be kicking themselves and they're kind of clutching at straws I think a little bit um obviously you think it's going to stop and you're kind of heightened emotions we saw a lot of that from them but in terms of their frustration they, they will be looking at themselves and how they defended that as well um City have been so dangerous down that left side. I mean, Hemp is, she's unplayable at times and it was a really good finish from Shaw, um, obviously back from injury. Another one that they've had back from injury and we saw Man City saying, okay, well, we're still competing with the best at the top of this league and don't forget about us. Yeah, definitely. And I thought it was even interesting after the match because the one point that did keep coming up even when people were criticising the decision of the referee was the fact that all the referees in the league are part-time. They're not, you know, full-time referees. They're not given necessarily the tools that they can to compete at the highest possible level. And I thought, considering how mad Adeville was on the sideline during the match that his response was actually quite measured after the game he did make a slight dig where he said he thought it was one of the best passes of the game um, <laughs> but he also said if they're going to be on Sky Sports refereeing matches I think the referees should be given all the resources that they need in order to prepare and practice and work on their fitness and I think that's where we need to he- help each other in the football family for me I'm much more about trying to raise standard around refereeing because that will do that more women will start refereeing as well because that will get more attractive and I know I can get animated on the sidelines but I've also tried being a referee and it didn't go that well everyone is going to make mistakes the only thing I'm always going to be an advocate for is to raise things around it to give them the best possible conditions and that was kind of what we talked about last week um, on the podcast in terms of refereeing and stuff and I thought it was good of him to actually use that moment to I suppose make it less about the decision and more about the fact that the the referees are the conversation again around refereeing standards and stuff and just raising standards in general, which we are always looking to do. So it was good that he kind of covered that because, um, yeah, he wasn't best pleased and his reaction on the sideline um, was heated to say the least. But like I said, I, I don't think the referee had a poor game. I think that was one moment that, like I said, it's ambiguous. And I, I think by the letter of the law, she probably can stand by it. So um if if one good thing comes from it, it is kind of starting that conversation again because it's these girls are professional now and you need to be training like a professional if you're a referee, um, like Michelle O'Neill said. So um yeah, let's continue that conversation. Definitely, and we saw Tobin Heath coming back to the league for the first time since her injury and doing very Tobin Heath things and scoring a stoppage time goal. I think it shows how much Arsenal have maybe missed a player like her. And to be fair, it's the sort of thing she used to do for Man United last season as well, where she would come on quite late in the game, clearly quite angry that the side was either down or needed a goal mm-hmm. and just pull something out of nowhere. Like you watch the scramble in the box and the lead up to her goal and really 
she has no business scoring it, but she manages to thread the ball through Lucy Bronze's legs. Not a sentence many people can say all that mm-hmm. often. And under the keeper and into the net. And the passion as well. You saw it on her and the devastation on all the City players as well. I think Lucy Bronze like dropped straight to her knees and just collapsed afterwards. But I think it showed maybe a side of Arsenal that we haven't seen all that much in recent matches, especially since maybe the FA Cup final before Christmas. I think that's one kind of criticism you'd have had is that in certain times they didn't show grit and kind of go back to that time against Spurs when someone really put it up to them and they had been having such an easy time of things that they needed to show something different. And again, um, they've been waning a little bit in that in recent times, whereas Man City have been on the up. So um, a, a loss, I think, would have been really devastating for Arsenal. I think um, just considering the, the run of form they've gotten and how much media attention that would get, like that weighs on players. But to come back in the manner that they did was excellent because they could have been further down um, and they stuck at it. I thought Man City played really well. Um, I thought they had a couple of chances to make it two and then I think they would have been out of sight. But they defended those situations. Man City may be guilty of missing a chance or two. And they went down the other end and Beth Mead, she was relentless in trying to get that goal as well. She kind of bullied her way through the box. And like you said, it, it fell to uh, Tobin Heath and she absolutely stuck at left foot at bottom corner. Um, really good, really composed finish for that time of the of the game um, and you could see like you say from her celebration what it meant to her and what it meant to her teammates yeah and to move on to one of the other games towards well mostly affecting the top of the table we've been asking for weeks now how are Chelsea going to perform when they finally have a game this is their first game since early December uh, again we see Brighton tripping them up they tripped them up last season as well when they ended their 33 like record unbeaten run a surprise performance considering how much we have discussed Brighton and how they should be performing above their standard. I think we can all say that Megan Walsh was definitely probably player of the match in that for what she did in goal and the way she kept players out. But I suppose, what did you think of it? I, like, I think Chelsea had something 26 shots on goal. Five of those were on target. Are they missing Sam Kerr or would you have expected more from that Chelsea forward line? I, I would have expected more. I, again, it was like Man City, I thought they played really, really well. I thought Chelsea moved the ball well. They created some great chances. I thought Harder had a lot of joy getting crosses in um, from the left-hand side. They just were lacking that finish. And I guess maybe that is what they're missing, Sam Kerr, someone who kind of just pulls it out of the bag no matter what. But it's not like they didn't have the firepower on the pitch. They had Kirby. They had um, they, they had so many chances. I mean, Cuthbert, Cuthbert in particular. Well. Yeah, she hit the bar. Um, she an open goal on another day. You'd expect her to have just stuck that and she put it past the, the right-hand post, which is, just seemed to be one of those days. 68% possession, absolutely bossed the game. But what Brighton did really well is they continued to frustrate them. Um, and you could tell towards the end that some of their play was a bit erratic, Chelsea's play now, um, just because they were trying to force it a little bit. Um, so I don't think she'll be overly, Emma Hayes will be overly concerned with how they played. Um, I think that those finishes will come on another day. It just it just wasn't to be for them. And like you said, they came up against a goalkeeper um, who was just in red hot form and in the form of Megan Welch, which is obviously great from an Irish perspective. Yeah, definitely. I think I saw a lot of commentary over the weekend. Is is she one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the WSL? I think on the basis of that performance, you probably could have, you know, you could definitely make an argument yeah, for it. First keeper to reach 500 saves or something like that. That's that's a massive stat. And obviously it's not a great reflection on, on Brighton, but on a goalkeeper um, 
you, you often are kind of the unsung hero so it's good to see her getting a bit of praise there and it was thoroughly deserved obviously not a thriller of a game but she won't mind that too much like, that's really good for Brighton they'd been on a six game losing streak I think it was um, just in all competitions and and that that's really tough to turn around considering the expectation we had of Brighton at the start of the season so maybe this will be a turning point for them but like we've seen, it's been very unpredictable. You you go and beat or draw with a big team and then the next day you could be right back down to earth like we've kind of seen with Birmingham and, and Leicester even. I think that's the thing about this season that I'm quite enjoying is that it's no longer sort of assert that the ch- teams like Chelsea, if they mm. have two games in hand, they're going to pick up six points for definite you know you would have looked at Chelsea versus Brighton before the weekend and said well that should be a definite three points for Chelsea but that's just not how this league is going at the moment we saw it before Christmas with the sort of loss that Chelsea and Arsenal have we're seeing it throughout the league which is great for us I'd say very frustrating (laughs) for their managers but look we're enjoying it that's the main thing stressful for them one uh, one of the probably as well most important games of the weekend was Manchester United versus Tottenham where we saw United absolutely dominate Spurs not something that we would expect in some ways you almost feel like while United are progressing up Spurs are progressing down a tiny bit and I don't know we talked about it earlier in the season that would Spurs start to falter a little bit in terms of fitness in terms of having that depth in the squad and just being able to keep going but I think you would have to say about that United performance that there were just several people on the team who like performed very very well and did the job that they were supposed to do um I always think like players like Bill Boris and she's been consistently in the team you've seen a serious improvement in Manchester United's performances and it's quite similar to how Skinner works in that he tends to start quite slowly with teams he did this with Orlando Pride as well but keeps the same team all the time and like puts that faith in those starting 11 and then you see them start to track upwards towards the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, they, they look very much like a coached team, like a team who know their identity. Um, I actually really enjoy the way they play. They, they're very energetic, very high press, and they put Spurs under pressure in their own half, and Spurs just didn't have an answer for it. Spurs were the surprise package at the start of the league being up in those positions, um, and you'd have to say they were well-warranted. But in terms of Man United, all they've kind of been lacking was that finishing touch and you could see the desire I think was it the second goal um the cross that came in and it was a, such a brave header like they, they wanted to get in the box and everything they do is that kind of direct high energy stuff and it's very very good to watch when it does click and it, it look it seems like it has been clicking and he'll also be delighted I think that was their sixth clean sheet in a row uh, and not many teams at the top can can say that now um so he'll be delighted with that because that just means they're not going to lose games and now that they've got the goal scoring clicking and um, it was really really good to see and another thing that I was impressed by was kind of the variety from Seth plays I think the first corner that they scored from came from a really inventive free kick now the free kick didn't come off or lead to a goal but um they're obviously working really really hard on the training ground and it's paying dividends for Mexican yeah six clean sheets six win in a row the last time they did that was the their first 2018-19 season in the championship when they then progressed up to the WSL so definitely a good sign if they can definitely. keep up but again with the loss of Millie Turner I, they, you know, I released a statement at the weekend that she had an issue with an artery in her neck and she was going to be out for an indefinite period it definitely remains to be seen if they can add a few more in the transfer window and you can all sense Skinner's annoyance that he keeps getting asked mm-hmm. about this and he seems to be trying hard but I mean, it's a competitive market out there, especially with, especially in January. I feel like yeah, that's we don't see too many big transfers in January. And really, if he's trying to replace someone like Billy Turner, it would need to be a big, 
a big transfer. So um, at the moment, I'd say he's going to just keep trying to work with what he has because they've been going well. And if they can keep the pressure higher up the pitch, um, they won't be, be lacking in the back. So, um, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can sustain this because it's just been really, really good in recent times. But obviously, it's a very long season and he has mentioned squad depth as one of his like uh, peeves that he just doesn't <laughs> quite have those resources to compete with the top two but um yeah they they're well worth their 3-0 win against Spurs and yeah I think Spurs will have to get back to basics and just get back to that kind of Brighton mentality that they had against Chelsea and just start to try and frustrate teams um mm-hmm. and not just go out and play because that's kind of what they built their success early in the season on. Definitely. And then a frustrating result for Birmingham, probably to put it mildly against Reading. Uh, I saw the score came up. I didn't watch this one live, but I kind of caught it back and I saw the score come up and that they were 1-0 up after a few minutes. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. Where can they go? And then it was 2-0 and then it all went downhill from there. I suppose it shows that they can get these goals and they can get these scores, but holding on to them, a difficulty. Yeah, the, the amount of goals that they're leaking is obviously a massive concern and, and some of the manner that they're they're conceding those goals and they'll be really disappointed with, especially to go 2-0 up and knowing what an important game that could have been because this was a game obviously where you would thought 2-0 up that there's at least a point in this for us. Um, but uh, there's no good time to concede and it's cliche, but they conceded at the worst possible time just before halftime. So that gave Reading the impetus going into the second half. And then it's small things like the, the penalty was a silly penalty to give away in the manner it was given away. I mean, she was going Very nowhere. Easy. She was kind of facing towards the end line, um, wasn't even facing towards the goal and plowed in through the back of her just unnecessary and puts your team under pressure. And then when it gets to two, two, you're the team on the descendancy and it's the, you knew that Reading were going to keep going and to be fair, what a goal it was to finish an excellent volley to make it 3-2. So um, probably not the one we thought would be the most entertaining game, but it was. But obviously, again, from an Irish perspective, we're looking at our girls. We have a lot of them on the Birmingham team. Um, And yeah, obviously bitterly, bitterly disappointing because they would have gone to capitalise on Leicester's loss um, because Leicester nearly nicked a point in that one, which would have definitely been dire straits for Birmingham. Yeah, and also we should say good news as well from an Irish perspective that Grace Maloney was checked out after the match. She obviously went off the pitch and Reading mm-hmm. said that she was doing fine. So obviously you wish anyone the best no matter what the circumstances, Absolutely, but yeah. specifically with it being someone from the Irish team. As you said there, Leicester nearly nicked a point. They Aston Villa beat them 2-1. And then also in the final game, West Ham beat Everton 3-0. More trouble for Jean-Luc Fesser, mm. definitely not living out his days that he did in Lyon at Everton. And I'd say a few people are looking around wondering why exactly they got someone of his calibre on board and are not getting as many wins as they should be. Um, if you have any opinions, suggestions or thoughts on how the season is going and if anyone will be able to catch Arsenal, if Chelsea are on a downward track or City on an upward track, let us know. Get them into us on Twitter at Off the Ball using the hashtag OTBKoiGig. We would love to hear them she ditched us last week and we didn't take it at all personally we only had a few words about it on the podcast but emma you are back where you belong with us on the choreographed pod with another team of the week and as we said earlier we actually have a full slate of games this weekend so you weren't left kind of picking just from two or three games (laughs) no it was a busy day yesterday um i think 12 o'clock start and just before nine by the time Arsenal City finished. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, full on back-to-back, multi-screen, 
WSL and then also uh, Liverpool Crystal Palace by two for <laughs> the men and the women. So yeah, it was a busy day. Um, so we managed to pull a team together this week. That's good. Yeah, there wasn't too much standing up done tomorrow or yesterday, at least by myself. Anyways, Emma, do you want to take us through who has made your team of the week? Yeah, uh, only one person really to go and goal this week. Megan Walsh, first to first WSL goalkeeper to five hundred save. So, and just an excellent performance all around. Um, another couple of writing players in there as well, in Victoria Williams and Maya Letizia, and I went with Lottie Wubamoy as well in defence. Um, in midfield, went with Emma Harris, Jordan Nobbs, Ella Toon and Lisa Evans. And then in uh, front three of Lauren Hemp, Penella Harder and Jess Park. I was and quite I've got surprised. a bit of a list of honorary. <laughs> oh, okay, honorary as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you can go whenever we like give our little ones that we don't agree with. You can go through your <laughs> list of honorary mentions. I wonder are there many United players on your list of honorary mentions? Because mm. I kind of thought, considering their performance, there was a good few of them in there that could have like eat their way into the squad. Uh Leo Galton for one, Katie Zealand, Billable Reese, my battle, Hilly Lads. Hey, Lads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Eva Mannion as well. I had in there, and then uh, Mary Earps as well. Although she, she didn't have a whole lot to do, it's just the number of clean sheets and everything that she's called on to mm-hmm. to do at the moment, she seems to be doing it really well. Um, and coaching from the sidelines, but it looks of it during the week as well during the County Cup. So, um, yeah, honorable a lot of honorable Manchester United mentions in there. But I went with Ella Toon in the midfield because I just think a lot of everything goes to her and her creativity and I just really enjoy watching her as a player Yeah I agree she's been absolutely standout now a lot of people are kind of getting a bit of help now towards the latter end of the season all those people that you mentioned there but at the start of the season um, she really was the driving force for them I think she's been featured in a lot of these team of the weeks and I imagine she will be going forward as well yeah, I wonder what was the reasoning for keeping some of those players not on? Because I look at the players you have and I probably would have swapped some of them out for some of those United ones. What was it? Was it the fact that it was such a complete team performance and Tottenham didn't put it up all that much to them and some of those players that you've picked had a bit of a harder time? Although arguably that just shows that United players were doing their job particularly well. I'm thinking of maybe someone like Anabalic kept uh, Jess Naz, who's been great this season so far, very quiet. Hilly Ladd as well. I thought she was pretty crucial in everything that she did, especially making sure that Spurs didn't get that sort of foothold in the game. Got a goal as well. So, yeah, she's definitely worth a shout. Um, Yeah, it was hard to really pick a bunch. You could have had a whole bunch of them in there. Um, And I think just the day that it was, when you're watching so many matches as well, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, they're playing well. And, yeah. oh, yeah, they're playing well. Okay, how am I going to uh, select 11 from this team, uh, from so many players yesterday? So, um, yeah, we've got a bit of a mismatch of, I suppose, pl- p- players plucked from various teams from throughout through the day of action. So, we just like threatening you with these things and being like, <laughs> why can't we have more? <laughs> The one that I was kind yeah, of surprised with, yeah, one I was kind of surprised with as well was harder up front, just because I feel like she, like a lot of, she did do a lot of work. But I think considering Karen and I were talking about it in the last segment, the fact that you know Chelsea had twenty six shots, so five of them on target, none of them went in. 
I don't know. Did she yeah, deserve she it? Was, she was my eyebrow raise as well. Um, obviously, you definitely contributed in open play, but if it's your job to be a striker in a game that you're expected to win and it ends up nil all, um, getting your way into TV of the week is, is a good a feat, an, an interesting feat. <laughs> I think all she didn't do was score and, you know, uh, with thanks to Megan Walsh at the other end of the pitch. Um, but... Yeah, I just I really enjoyed watching her yesterday. I thought her movement was brilliant with the ball and off the ball. Just getting to the byline, she could have had a few assists. I think uh, Wrighton missed kind of a, a sitter really, which was actually given as a goal kick. Kick, but I think on the repeat that it actually came off Walsh's shin. I think it looked like an actual save. Um, so yeah, I just I just really enjoyed her movement yesterday and enjoyed watching her. Simple as that, really. Um, and yeah, Jess Park, I think, was worth a shout because I thought she was brilliant down the right hand side for Manchester City. In the first half, especially, there wasn't a whole bunch going down the helm side, and it was quite a kind of quiet game for her until the second half, really. Um, everything was kind of going through bronze and park. I thought she was brilliant and she could have had about two goals as well herself, a couple of shots. Um, and yeah, McCabe had a tough enough day yeah, against she, her really. She plays with a lot of confidence, like see her doing step overs in the box and stuff like that. She's technically an excellent player and kind of probably has gone under the radar a bit because we've been talking about the left side of Man City so much. But um, yeah, when they needed her, she was definitely a threat and not not many people say that they they gave Katie a tough time. So she's she's definitely worth her inclusion. You can see Katie's frustration as well, picking up that fifth yellow card of the season, which means she will miss. I think it's Brighton next for Arsenal, one of their kind of reorganised games. Thankfully, hopefully that means she will be back, pending no injuries or whatever for the big games when it comes to top stable against Chelsea and stuff in February. I did think one player alongside Megan Walsh who did, it was nice to see in the team, was Emma Harries. Obviously, she's only 19, was very, very impressive for the entire game. Won the penalty, the the won the penalty. It probably shouldn't have been a penalty in the first place if the defending had been a little bit better, but did get the back of the game. And I thought it was nice to see that. Again, I always like to shout out the players that we don't always see in these sort of teams of the week. Yeah, um, the goal as well that she scored was the volley from with the inside of the foot as well. Yeah, and to win yeah, the game so like difficult that, to control those ones. It was top drawer finish, yeah. Yeah. Well, Emma, thank you for slightly controlling your Irish bias this week. Uh, <laughs> although you may be accused of some anti-Man United bias, but we'll leave that to everyone Never. on Twitter. If you do have any opinions, suggestions or thoughts on who should or shouldn't have made the team, then get them into us on Twitter, at Off The Ball, or you can also like tag Emma of any feelings that you have there <laughs> using the hashtag OGBKoiGig. We would love to hear them. Joining us this week on the podcast is Shelbourne Player and the future of Irish coaching, Pearl Slattery. Pearl, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks a million for having me. I've been watching all the all the other guests the last few weeks. So it's been very good. Fair play, yes. Oh, well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. It's mostly just Karen <laughs> sitting around with her friends and me pretending yeah. that I'm like... <laughs> yes, yeah, Karen, Karen is be having the bands. I see in Rouge is one. That was, that was funny in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely one of the funniest ones I think we have had. Oh, that's Rouge, the... you know. You know, you're not oh, yeah. at Rouge anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Pearls, was just to start off, how are you doing? I presume much like Karen, you're into pre-season workout fitness is coming back up after a whisper it, a very exciting end to the league season <laughs> as Karen puts her head in her Karen's hands. Karen's gone. <laughs> yeah. The internet's going here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I don't, yeah, look, it was a crazy ending to the season. I don't think, Karen, we've obviously played the league for years and I've yeah. never experienced that and like that. Unfortunately for you guys, you were on the other end of it when we were on, you know, but look, I don't know, I think, you know, we've, we look, we were runners up for the last three years and for me, I just thought, finally, when a bit of luck, it's went their way, yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? So, and I think like, I've obviously played for a long time, so have you, Karen, and I do think, I don't know, this season just felt a bit strange with all the late goals and stuff and I was thinking, sure, like, this could be a year and then like, we go out to you as a way yeah, it was 5-0 and I'm thinking oh my god like what what's happening like yeah, it was completely just... unpredictable and like we weren't even playing well and then we'd win games and then we'd play well and lose a game or something like that so yeah there was no rhyme was, or reason to it so. it was a bizarre season yeah. all around like and then mm. obviously for it to end like that but I do think look certain times obviously when the league four started like Rahini had that period then Wexford had and then like all you guys have been playing for years and then finally mm. it was user, I suppose, the last two or three years, you know, it was user time. But I just felt, I don't know, weirdly enough, those two weeks, even coming into that week when you drew with DLR, I just had a weird feeling. Now, I never thought, I just never thought Galway would have beat us on the night. I was hoping for a playoff, you know, but... Hammered us, in fact. <laughs> just football's mad, like, yeah. it's just, But I think... But it like, was great as well because it was coming towards a time where TG Cahar had stepped in and there was big exposure and obviously to take a step back from my personal trauma from it um, <laughs> it was good in terms of it drew so many people in and like I think it will create a buzz again for this season because kind of that's what we were going to ask you again more about like where we see this future of this league and, and development of women's football and, and I feel like that was a good turning point last season some of the exposure that we got and um, obviously the exciting finish was going to add to that. I think like just some of the games during the season, Karen, like last minute winners and stuff, that mm. started to get crowds to the game. And then TG Cahar came in, which was massive for us because we've only known it really with the cup final mm. live every year. And all of a sudden now you're four or five games. And then with the dramatics of it, you know, it was perfect to get, you know, I suppose more exposure, more people wanting to watch your league, thinking, you know what, this is actually an exciting league. <laughs> like to yeah, watch a, read, a you know? tinge of jealousy you nearly have with some of the teams that ye are getting to a kind of the crossover from the men's fan base. They're starting to trickle into to teams that are affiliated with, with men's teams. Is that kind of the way you see the league going? Is that the kind of closer knit you get as a, as a club? Um, yeah. Will help grow the yeah, I think just in terms of air development as a club, it's been massive coming mm. under the one banner. And look, it didn't happen overnight. A lot of hard work's gone into it. And then, you know, this season, I, I only did a podcast there with the club during the week. And this season's just been like one I've ever seen in terms of club football. Um, as you said, like the ultras now, if you've seen the cup mm. final, you were at it. Like to walk out to that and see banners and flares, like, Karen, we'd have never experienced that in the Women's National League. So no. you could hear it's, someone cough on the sideline in some of the games. Yeah, like so we've, nice. we've went from like 40, 50 people in Tolka yeah. to now a few hundred, which is absolutely massive. And I think now, you know, you know, we've started well on that. We can still get better. But I think other clubs now are starting to look at it. The likes of Bowles, you've seen that announcement this week, yeah. going to start playing yeah. out on Daily Mount. So it's like, you know, it's like, an add-on effect for everybody else. As all the clubs look at each other, I don't care what anyone says. 
and everyone wants to keep raising their standards. And I think that's only a good thing for the league, you know? Definitely, definitely. Karen mentioned there that the fact that you're not only involved in like growing the league as a player, but also very much growing the league. And I suppose growing the way women's football is approached in Ireland through the coaching side. And I think it's possibly so because you're so notorious within the league because you've been there for so long and you are one of the players that like people constantly talk about, they probably know a lot more about your playing side compared to your coaching side. So do you want to give us just like a little rundown, I suppose, of what it is that you do within the FAI and the work that you do so that people can hear a bit more about that? Yeah, so look, I started working the FAI in 2015 and um, look, I did a lot of voluntary work before. I think people tend to look at me and think, Pearl, she's captain of Shell, she's worked for the FAI, you know, she must have just walked in there. But I, no, I worked incredibly hard. I volunteered for a lot of years to get a job in the FAI. And I started with a camps program, which is one of our biggest programs in the FAI, the summer soccer school. So I did that for two years. That was an unbelievable learning curve for me. I went from, you know, I worked in a local bar for years when I came back from America to getting this job, to presenting in front of 100, 200 people at conferences and running one of our biggest um, programs as the assistant to that program. So those two years were massive for me in terms of my own personal development within the FAI. And then I got kind of a little mini promotion into the women's department. So, you know, I was a player obviously in the country and then asked to go in and uh, work in the department. And it was, I have to say, it was a massive learning curve for me because as a player, you only see you know, the pitch, you don't see all the other stuff that's off. All of a sudden I was dealing with rules and regulations, committees, and I'm sitting there going, I had no idea all this work was into football behind the scenes. Because as a player, you just don't pay attention to that. So the year in that department was massive for me. And then a job came up, um, UEFA had funded two roles, specifically around the women's game, a development officer role. So one on the south side of Dublin, one on the north side, and I got the south side one. And it was brilliant for me because it was actually on three years in the office and I felt right time for me to get out and about and meet the people, work with the clubs, run coach education. So I did that for two years um, and I loved that role. And then only last January, so I'm in my new role that I'm in now, Women's Football Programme Coordinator for Grassroots. So last January, the, the association, I suppose, went through a restructure. A lot of things changed um, and my boss had moved on and this role came up. And look, I was already developing a lot of the programmes for the clubs with Dave and Keith O'Halloran. And I swear, I fought with myself for about a month whether to go for this role or not, but I felt it was important that female, and I look, I hate this cliche, females, because the female game, I'm one that would, you know, male or female, once you're good enough for the job, absolutely, that's who, who should get it. But, you know, I anyway, I fought myself a few weeks. I said, I'll throw my name in the hat. I'm not sure if I'm ready for it, but if I get it, if I get it, great. But I did, I felt it was important that, one or two females put their name in the hat. You know, I've talked to people about belief and ground female game. And then all of a sudden this role came up and was I going to back away from it? And I thought, no, do you know what? I'll throw my name in the hat. And then luckily enough, I got it. And I'm a year in that role now. So I would uh, kind of lead and coordinate all of our grassroots programs for grassroots. So we have a new grassroots pathway. So in terms of the women's game in grassroots and the girls game around the country, we've been always very good at getting girls in at eight to nine. Um, but we've kind of struggled to get them in at that five, six, seven-year-old um, age group. For some reason, other sports are really good. We've just kind of struggled. We've tried many different things to try to get younger girls in. And then I suppose one of my big programs I had to coordinate this year was the Disney Playmaker. So I suppose to get younger girls into, into air sport in the country, we kind of have to think outside the box. And UEFA are brilliant and they come up with this Disney Playmakers where... 
it's more based around fundamental movements. So you can imagine the girls at that age, five to eight, some of them don't even know how to move, never mind kick mm-hmm. a ball. So it's very much based around that fundamental movement, true storytelling. So the 10 week blocks are based on a Disney movie. So we had Disney and the Incredibles um, for the first 20 weeks. We, en- we end up only running 10 weeks because of COVID, but this year now going into it, we'll run two new movies. But, you know, the clubs, so we, we selected 20 clubs around the country to run this programme. We ran for two a block of 10 weeks, um, two coaches. So we ran coach education and information night for the clubs. And the coaches, it's different. It's not, you know, you're not looking for your norm coach, as in you wait for B, you wait for A. This was, you really have to get down to the girls' level, you know, get into character almost. Um, you know, at that age group, it's like organised chaos almost. So who, you know, so I was really strict with the clubs on who the personality were, we're going to coach on this programme. So we had 900 new girls then come into the sport last year through that programme and we're hoping to double the amount of clubs we select um, for next year. And then we have, so that's the five to eight-year-old age group. And then we have future stars and girls in green. So that's for future stars is nine to 12 year olds and girls in green is 14 to 16 year olds. So they haven't launched yet. We're looking to launch them now this year due to COVID and stuff like that. But really they're just participation program for clubs to help get new girls in or to retain players and just give them a different spin. Um, look, before I suppose I come into the role, we would have had a lot of participation programs around the women's game and we kind of looked at it about two or three years ago. I thought, you know, are we really getting the best out of having, you know, eight to nine different programs? So what we did with Cora, we have four or five programs now, and they're all age-specific. So we have soccer sisters then after that, and then we have recreational, you know, stuff like glow football and stuff. So I suppose my role, that was very long-winded. I apologise for that. <laughs> no, I'm just that's, sitting back. Oh, very no, insightful, yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's some of the work I do. So a lot of people probably wouldn't know that, but it's, you know, it's pretty hectic. We're coming up to Easter now. So Soccer Sisters, which we haven't been able to run in a physical format because of, you know, COVID. We've run, a, we ran it virtually the last two years. So we're looking to to roll that out and align it with summer soccer skills coming to this year. So I'm absolutely mental busy with that. But I'm very lucky. It's all football. So I go, you know, I play with shells and then day to day, I'm just constant work as football so I'm very lucky and thankful to the FEI the last five or six years I've worked in football and you know I, I suppose the last few years as well I was in with the 17 squads so that's kind of the coaching I've been doing and um, I know you mentioned coaching earlier but I kind of took a step away from that just in terms of last year and the stress and so I was trying to balance work shells and then coaching with the 17s it was just a lot and um, I was looking at fixtures I was going to be missing four or five games with shells I just thought you know, being captain of a club and then missing four or five games, you can't really do that. So something had to give. And I always feel I can coach for many, many years. Um, and I can't play. Me and Karen, I suppose, are, we're down to our final few years. Twilight years, so, say. <laughs> I say that every year. I'm down to yeah, same. <laughs> and I keep going. So look, I'm going to enjoy playing for as much as I can. I've been involved in emerging talent programmes and stuff, and I'll, I'll continue to coach while I can because... I do see myself, hopefully, when I do finish playing, going into a coaching role. It's what I'm passionate about. I love the game and that's what I want to do. So I've been on the coach education pathway for the last few years. I'm the A licence just to make that transition a little bit easier when I do finish. And Nyla Regan's been brilliant to push me and many other females to do that, you know. Can so I... there you go. That was my story. <laughs> I mean, that was a great answer. I love it when I just get to sit back and listen to someone. Can I take you back though slightly to one of the answers you gave? And you were talking about going for your current role and how you like hummed and had over throwing yourself in. And I know you've talked previously how you had like quite a few people who supported you throughout. There was like men and women, both sides. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm thinking of everything you did and the commitment you put into the FAI, like I listened to everything you did before that and think, why wouldn't you put your name in the hat? And at least if, even if someone else decides that that's not right for you, at least you've put it there. And do you think sometimes that's a thing with, especially in these arenas that part of the reason we don't have more women going for these sort of roles is because we do him and ha a little bit about throwing ourselves into it and just being like, look, my name's there. You can choose me or not rather than just not putting it in there at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think as females, for some reason, we're awful doubters. I know I am. Yeah. I think people look at me and think she works in the FBI shell. She must be very confident. And, you know, we all doubt ourselves, no matter, you know, how much experience you have. Like, even people always say to me, Jesus, how did you get up and speak in front of 100 and 200 people? And I'm like, well, you know, the night before, I'm a nervous wreck and stuff. But I always think and put myself back in the situation from 2015, how much I've grown by taking myself out of a comfort zone. And that's the biggest thing for me. Look, just go in and do it. And it's the feeling afterwards when you do something, you know, that you've been, I suppose, feared and are nervous about. And that's, as I said to you, I would have came from just walking in a local bar to doing a lot of voluntary stuff with Stephen Rice and stuff like that and then getting this role and then all of a sudden being asked to present in front of people. And I was thinking, oh, my God. And people just think, you know, because you do it, you must be great. It mustn't be nerve-wracking. Of course, you mustn't doubt yourself. But I always say to myself, Put yourself in those uncomfortable situations because you'll only grow from it. And that's a big learning curve for me the last few years. I've grown so much by taking myself out of my comfort zone, which many probably wouldn't do, you know, but I think I've just grown from that so, so much. And as females, yeah, I think we're awful doubters. I think, you know, me even fighting with myself for a few weeks when I probably should have just put it in there. But look, when I did and I went for the interview, I was confident. I knew I had a lot of experience behind me, but just those few weeks of doubt, you know, I don't know why that happens. It just it just does. But when you go in, then you're confident and, and stuff. But as I said, it's taking yourself out of, you know, getting used to being uncomfortable, I think, is where the growth comes from and throwing yourself into situations you're not, you know, comfortable in. I think that's important for anybody, male or female, to grow, you know? Yeah, no, it's great. And something I just picked up from your answer is like your, your passion, obviously, for the game and the connection you have and the will you want to um, improve women's football and just to be able to do that from the inside because obviously the FAI has been the headlines for all the wrong reasons and you were there during that whole time but it, it makes a difference for us to be able to hear from the inside the work that you're doing because it went under the radar and people only talked about the higher ups and and what they were doing to damage the game but there's so many good people in there the likes of yourselves and like say you mentioned some of the people you've worked with along the way that have helped your development there's so many good people in there um that it's good to see that there's restructures it's good to see people like you getting a chance to kind of just to rebuild that reputation um because it did need a rebuild but i think we can kind of start to see light at the end of the tunnel did it feel like that internally in the FAI? Do you feel like there's a turning a turning point? Has yeah, 100%, Karen, yeah. 100%. Since last year, like since Jonathan has come in, obviously, obviously that, look, that was a tough period for us all. And that's, mm. I think, what used to hurt the most is I knew everybody in the place and that probably people outside don't know. There's a lot of brilliant, hardworking people that love the Irish game and want the Irish game to do well. And they're nearly painted under the one umbrella. But I think that's happened now. Let's move on. Mm. I think we've learned from it. I think the FBI now will be in a better place because of it, which yeah. is brilliant. Jonathan has come in. He's been unbelievable. I've met him a few times. You know, just his knowledge since he's come in of Irish football so quickly has been brilliant. Um, and, you know, he's big on the women's game. He's absolutely massive. And I think that's important. 
whole one association approach now in terms of men and the female game where, you know, in general, the female game is not just an afterthought anymore. Or even I used to see, you know, it would be kind of like, we'd be speaking about the men's game and then we'd be like, you know, we might have to do something for the women's game. Just in general, I'm talking about clubs yeah. or anything. Yeah. I just think now the women's game plus the, the potential of it, everyone now has to just step up and do something. But I'll look, as you mentioned, I'm delighted you mentioned that because there is a lot of brilliant people in the mm. FBI who do a lot of, you know, incredible work and really care about the game. And I think you'll start to see that now. It's obviously, got, it's going to take time. The restructure is only in, you know, a year in place. Mm. So it's going to take, there's a strategy that's been worked on now via women's football development plan coming out, all that sort of stuff that's going in the background that nobody sees or those programs are, you know, there's like, I'm one program coordinator, there's seven more, you know, the country's now split into eight regions in this new restructure. So you have a regional manager, a program coordinator and a team of development officers. So just the structure and how we work and all now has just changed completely. And for me, in terms of the women's game, it's only going to help it develop even more because if you look at participation figures and all, you know, we, we can be doing better. Of course we can. We can always strive for better. And I think that's important. And I think Jonathan Jerry, who runs grassroots and all the staff, you know, just want to drive it forward now and kind of forget what went on in the past. And, you know, everyone loves the Irish game. We're all in the in the yeah. FBI because we love football and we care about it. And I think you'll start to see that now in the next few years, definitely. Plus what you said, like when you're talking about when you first got into the FAI and when you first got into looking at all the other sides, most people don't really think, unless you're really heavily involved in grassroots or other areas, if you're just a fan who likes going to games or if you're just a kid who likes playing, you're not thinking about all the different things that are going on or all around the place. And I think it's something we've maybe been bad about talking in, about in the past is how all these things go on, all the different ways you can get involved. And I see it a lot like in the GA community. I feel like there's a lot more knowledge around all the different levels you can get involved, you can help out, and maybe not necessarily the same, especially from a women's perspective on the soccer side. And it's something that I've said this before on the podcast, but like I come from Sligo. If I wanted to play for a soccer side, I don't even know where I would have gone to because it just wasn't around. It yeah. wasn't advertised in the same way. Hopefully now that's starting to change, but... I think. I think it is, yeah. I think it is. I think even in terms of early, Karen, the exposure mm. now is getting the promotion, the marketing around it, or the women's national team even, you know, the equal pay, all that sort of stuff. The sponsors who who are now coming in for our women's national team, you know, it's been so deserving. It's, it's been a long time coming, but it's starting to get there. And I think you're right. You know, clubs, leagues, affiliates, all that sort of stuff, you know, probably needs to be out a little bit more. All the good work that goes on that mm. people probably don't know about, we do, and we're, probably poor at that at times of getting that out there and telling people what's going on yeah, I think, those stories yeah visibility is is so key because you mentioned player retention there as well I think that's something we've really struggled with in the women's game and um, that kind of drop off after 19 to kind of 22 and um, we see a lot of people leaving but now if the women's national league starts to get more exposure you know some people just kind of say oh I'm not making the Irish team at 1920 what's the point but now the women's national league is starting to get so much more status that playing for one of these teams is seen as prestigious and and it should be because it's the highest level we have in this country. So that's only coming from visibility and hopefully that will help player retention. And like you say, it's just across the board, all the visibility of all the programs that you're doing. That's that's really the key thing because you're putting in the work. So it's just about getting it out there and getting that message out there. Yeah, I think... Go on, yeah, sorry. You mentioned earlier about like the fact that at some stage you do want to move into 
coaching but I suppose looking at your the roles you're doing now and taking that like slight step back from coaching obviously trying to balance everything say when you start playing what is the one thing that you would like to achieve with the FAI or I suppose see as a a legacy for you and I would presume a legacy for the women's game as well because that's where you stuck you know you talk about the fact that it's been difficult to get five six seven year olds into the game or is it something higher up the line you know is it having a better track for women coaches or referees or even just more clubs involved in the sort of programs that you were talking about running yeah like in terms of my role now for me the biggest thing is that I suppose every girl in the country and every girl in their own area has an opportunity to play the game so no matter what our level or what our ability is that there's something there for her so if you have a disability if you don't it's just that inclusiveness that everybody, as I said, like we all, I know we speak with the National League because I play in the National League and we've underage National League. But to me, and Karen mentioned their retention, it's even outside the National League. So it's, yeah. you know, because not everybody, we have to remember, wants to play in the Women's National League either. Mm. Um, people Big play. commitment, yeah. Some people want it to be their hobby. And oh, that should be an option, yeah. And I know many players players who just never went the National League route because they don't they can't give up three nights a week or mm. four you know your Saturday playing and for me it's key so the leagues under you know underneath that or around it and um, that those girls as you said Karen they want to play for fun they just want to mm. play to enjoy it they finish work they want to switch off they want to play of a Monday night or a Saturday so all that's key to me I think that's really important and yeah I probably would focus on you know I have a real I want to get girls playing air sport at a younger age group, get them in earlier, give them that positive force experience that will hopefully then lead to lifelong participation in air sport because I look at other sports, they're getting them in a lot younger. So we're losing out a little bit. So we have to do something and we have done with Disney, but you know, Disney will run for a few years. And during that time, I want to be thinking of other programs, other initiatives to get more girls in at different age groups as well. So to me, yeah, it's important that, no matter what their ability is, where they come from, their age, their disability, wherever it might be, that everybody has the opportunity to play football in Ireland in their local community or just nationally in general. So that's, I suppose, if I had some part to play in that, I'd be very happy. Like, as I, I, I do, I love what I care about. it. I want, as I said, I love the National League, obviously, um, and all that sort of stuff, but outside it is key for me as well because there's so many, the population's huge in the country and, I just feel it's important. And look, I would we would have started, Karen, there wouldn't have been a National League. We would have just played to have fun. Yeah. And it's developed over the years and we've been lucky enough to play at that level. But there's so many quality players and good people in the game. You know, players, volunteers, coaches, wherever it might be that, you know, as I said, don't want to go to the National League route. And that's fine. And they should have the opportunity to play football. I think even even just from what you've done with the way you've played, you know, I see what a lot of younger players talk about and how they talk about players like yourself and what you have contributed to the league. So I think even from that standpoint, you've given an incredible amount to the game in Ireland. And I think you're only going to keep doing that, especially when you look at the commitment that you have given to the FAI stuff like volunteering for two years straight before you even get near a job in the place. There are a few people in Ireland, I think, you can say men or women that do give up their time in that way. And like Karen was saying earlier, it's nice to know that that is happening. Obviously you want people to be paid for the work they do, but the fact that people do care that much. And Pearl, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we will get you on the show again at some stage during the season. So you and Karen can have a proper fight. (laughs) We might not still be talking. I'm glad this happened before the league kicks off. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It gets very heated, doesn't it? During the season, but once again, we're different off the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's all part of the fun of the whole thing. (laughs) 
Well, thanks a million for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Pearl. That is it for this week's Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland's women's national team. Myself and Karen will be back next week as always. Emma will have her latest team of the week and we will also have Kira Grant with us joining to talk about the women's national league. So after today's conversation, I'm even more excited about that. Thank you and we will see you all again next week. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.